Hello everybody, welcome to the Online Tennis Podcast, episode 24. Welcome back, it's been a few weeks. It's myself, Jack, and my co-host. Gavin, yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Gavin, yeah, we didn't even say that to each other. Yeah, yeah. We were just complaining about how heavy our New Year's were instead with it actually greeting one another with the, the traditional Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year indeed. Are you excited for more tennis? I think it's only been two weeks off or something like that before Definitely. we get to get yes, dive back in. I was so excited that I actually brought in the bells listening to Mark Petchy talk about Pablo Carreño oh. Vista's inside out forehand just in the stroke of midnight. I thought the hey, only way to do it. How better else could you start the new year? I mean that's <laughs> the, the perfect way to do it. Um oh, it was good. Um it's been good to w- watch the ATP Cup so far, obviously, and it's mm-hmm. been a good competition. Lots of good yeah. matches already. I mean I think that especially um Umber Medvedev could be like one of the matches of the season. Well, we'll get into that. We will get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got tons to say about that. I'm quite excited to talk about that one, actually. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, though, two weeks off. I mean, good for us. Terrible for the tennis players. About the shortest off season in history, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. We, we're the ones spectating and they get compensated nicely I guess for yeah, it. very so, nicely yeah yeah yeah. so it's not too bad I guess right into, in today's episode yeah it's all going to be a to be cup we're just doing a wee mid-tournament review basically we'll talk to you about the first three days and the results we've got some sort of mini analyses going on about some of the matches some of the better ones and stuff we'll, we'll dive and uh, dissect some of those a little bit I think that'll probably be it we'll, we'll try and keep it to that I don't think we'll get into any of the other tournaments yet First thing we can talk about very quickly, I'll just go over a few of the players that pulled out. Unfortunately, Djokovic pulled out. I suppose this is quite a good place to start because there's a f- mm-hmm. few things to talk about there. Lajovic took his place. A lot. Of, let's let's keep it brief because I don't want to start putting words in anybody's mouth or anything like that. I yeah, think you get into the realms of speculation, don't yes, you? Yes, exactly. Discussing yeah, yeah. stuff like this and people start become vaccine experts and all that. And we get a lot of you know. I know. Pokey medical talk, but um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What was yeah. good about it was like I first read the tweet that he pulled out on Christmas Day. Like some mm-hmm. Serbian journalist found out early that he pulled out, and he didn't actually officially pull out until like I think a few days before the tournament started. But Christmas oh, right. Day, it yeah, leaked it. Yeah, so somebody Christmas a journalist on um, Christmas Day <laughs> put he'd pulled out. So oh jeez, yeah, I didn't strange, see that. But um, <laughs> No, I mean, again, you, you really can't discuss this without uh, speculation. But Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it there. All, 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 all I've heard and seen, Gav, is that he's practising with AO balls, Australian Open balls yep. in Spain and yep. Marbella. So certainly looks like he's practising for the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. Why he missed the ATP Cup? Strange, because it was such good preparation for him in the past. You know, yep. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's always, historically, always played well there, obviously, well, right. in Australia in general, obviously. Loves playing for his country, so... Yeah, that too. Yeah, let let's leave it at that though. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. he played the Davis Cup. It's not. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe he actually wanted a bit of a rest. Um, Maybe he did. Yeah, that's know, the point. And it's sort of prioritising the Australian Open again. Speculative though, so we'll do. We'll leave it at that. Um, Austria pulled out after Team and Dennis Novak pulled out. Obviously, Team still not. He says physically he's not quite feeling up to that. I think he also pulled out, he did pull out the Australian Open, yeah, um, so yep. he's not going to be playing that either, which is... Uh, he's you know, playing he in Rio first up, isn't he, at the end of January? I think that's what... Well, he's, he's, he's scheduled to play it, we'll, we'll see if he yeah, does, it depends how he's feeling. It was a freak injury, wasn't it, that wrist injury? Seems it to was, be totally yeah, yeah. The blue um, injury. But yeah, you want to see him back in the tour, obviously he's such a great competitor, fan favourite as well. Yeah. So yeah, France weren't going to play, but France played instead. We'll get into a few of their matches already. They've actually made a pretty good account for themselves considering they've got an underpowered team, I guess some some would put it. 
And then we also had in Russia, Rublev and Karatsev pulled out. Kachanov wasn't playing already. So it's kind of a one-man team. We've got Medvedev and Karlovsky was the one that replaced Rublev. And we also had... So I feel who obviously is holding his own quite well, to be fair. But um, yeah, still, you know, definitely not top 100. I think he's top maybe 150 or something. I'm not sure. But... Yeah, I think he's between 100, 150. So... Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Medvedev definitely holding them up a little bit. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. You know, ATP Cups, a bit like Davis Cup, one things can happen and all that. So. Let's dive into day one. Stop talking about all the negative negativity and the exclusions of the tournament. Start talking about some of the results instead. Yep. First day I have here, Gav. So we started with Group A, Serbia, Norway, Chile, Spain. The first tie we had was Chile v Spain. Yes. Pablo you might have Cuno. to fill me in a bit here because I've only seen bits yes, and pieces of um, this day. Pablo Cuno Busta against uh, Alejandro Tabilo was the yep. first match of the whole tournament um, mm-hmm. I saw. A very good match. Um, I remember watching Tabilo in Indian Wells against Matteo Berrettini, and I was mm-hmm. very impressed. He's a lefty. Um, yep. Very big first serve. Um, the problem that he had was in the pressure moments, it tended to fill him a wee bit. His first serve percentage um, okay. right. went down. But actually, when you look at his game, he can serve about over 200 Ks. Very good first serve, powerful. Um, decent yeah. forehand, hits the ball well on the backhand. But I think what it showed to me was how underrated PCB is at times because yeah. like what everything Tabilo was throwing at him, PCB was able to you know, just get the ball back and make him play the extra ball, make Tabilo play the extra ball yeah. and um, you know it just shows I think there's players like Pablo Cuenio Busta maybe that aren't given the sort of respect or the credit maybe because they're maybe not a big name player but actually yeah. when you watch them play, they're, they're really good at just making lower ranked players play the extra ball, not beating themselves, not making too many unforced errors. And um, really, that's how Pablo Carino Busta was able to kind of fight his way through. It was a difficult match, but he, he got the job done in straight sets. Yeah, um, Didn't play his very best tennis, but equally, he did enough to win in straight sets, got the job done, and um, good preparation for him, good good first win of the season for him. Yeah, Tobio's definitely got weapons, um, which, you know, okay, he's been uh, around a wee bit, maybe 24 or so, I think, so, you know, not super mm. old, um, but I think he's only just started pieces to get together his game recently, got to a challenger, a couple of challenger finals at the end of the season, actually won one. Um, but yeah, no, really, uh, I'm skipping ahead a bit to the Jurasevich match, but it applies to this anyway. PCB is, is a really good example of players not... St- completely destroying the ball basically and winning mm. the match like they put up the average forehand and backhand speed of the two players Jurasevich and PCB and Jurasevich was out playing them by about five kilometers an hour on both yeah. wings I think but, the crucial thing is rally tempo those are the yeah. two words that come into my head you know he's, he's good at you know maybe he doesn't overpower the ball but he's got a really consistent rally tempo that just doesn't decrease you know he can hit the ball at a good speed but he always gets it in the court you know he's always yeah. getting it deep in the court and um makes it very difficult for opponents to try and uh, A, get in the offensive and B, hit the way through him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, next match as well, we had RBA v Christian Garen. RBA is an absolute ETB Cup machine. He yeah. always plays well at this tournament. Absolute uh, tank, isn't he? I mean, so yeah, Garen, no chance really because obviously conditions didn't suit him. They did suit RBA. RBA is yeah. probably like top five players at this tournament, to be honest, in terms of conditions, because they really yeah. fall right into his wheelhouse. Good to, him, good to see him get that early win, though, because like last season he was kind of, didn't have his best year in the tour, um, mm. compared to what many would have expected. But um, as I said, he, he's a very, very good player. 
another one of those players that people don't really talk about. He's maybe not a big name player, but people forget he's made a Masters final before. Um, yeah. He made the Miami final last year, actually. He made the semis. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, yeah. he has turned up in the big events, Wimbledon semi-finalist. Uh, but people still don't give him the sort of uh, credit. Same with Cranial Booster. They're uh, quite yeah. a match for a match, this, aren't they? They're no massive shots or anything like that. Solid yeah. backhands, the not the biggest serves. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah, very similar players. But yeah, good way to start. I think it'd be Eagled Garen, um, who's still struggling on hardcore. Although he did just win a match on hardcore, so yeah. we'll get on to that a bit, yeah. Um, yeah, so Spain got up to an early lead. They also won the doubles. Next one we had was Serbia v Norway. Krajanovic v Durasevic. I've got more about Durasevic coming up, but Krajanovic did manage to win that in the end. It was like 2-5. Yeah. and five. Also had Rud v Lajevic. I don't know how much of that you saw. Yes, saw a wee bit of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good first win of the season for him. Um always always rate him very highly. Uh, ever since a few years ago, when I saw him a few years ago, I remember, I think it was Rio um, 2018, it might have been the first time I saw him, mm-hmm. and I thought he had the makings of a really good player, but he's developed really well. And I remember, I think it was a few years ago, people were saying, well, he can't, you know, he can't really play any, anywhere off clay. I think Robbie Koenig said he watched him play in Auckland and thought he wasn't that impressed yeah. um, with his play. But actually... Especially last year, winning those titles uh, on the hard courts, I think he's just really increased in confidence, and he's beginning yeah. to show his clay court form, his previous clay court form on the hard courts now. Yeah, we were talking, we touched on this a little bit at the end of the last season, didn't we? Just talking about how big Rude's uh, serve has got in particular, and how that's that's helping him on on the the uh, the hard courts rather than the clay. One area he's still struggling with, though, and I think Lajevic is the sort of player that he could be beating more comfortably maybe but it got quite complicated he's not still not the best on return on a hard court it's actually looking up the stats and i think he sort of sits about halfway up the leaderboard in the top 50 for hard court returns whereas clay is like second in the world so the the disparity between the two is is huge obviously um for second serve returns at least in particular and but it's as it's the forehand obviously really really extreme get quite easy to rush on serve um he's still not got that it's kind of similar to um sets the pass but on the forehand yeah. rather than the backhand you know we yeah. talk about that chip return not being the best in the world and yeah. um he kind of struggles to, to get it back into play with any sort of pace um but you know he still won the match it's it's testament to the fact he deserves to be a top 10 player yeah he um, got the job done that's the main yeah. thing exactly yeah yeah um so norway did not take the title in the end, yeah, because they lost yeah, the doubles. Yeah, because they were break-up yeah. in the first set. They lost it, and then they ended up losing straights. Um, I think it was Kazchich, is that how you pronounce his name? Nikola I don't Kaj- know, actually. I hadn't um, heard of him before. Yeah, he, he was say. the star performer in the court for Serbia in the, that doubles tie. So they ended up... Oh, Kazchich, sorry, Kazchich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kacic, yeah, yeah. Kaj- I don't know how you pronounce it. It's either Kazchich or Kazchich or... Kacic, yeah, yeah, no, I know Kacic, yeah, he played in the Davis Cup as well, didn't he? He's actually yeah. becoming quite an accomplished um, countryman doubles yeah, player, I guess, it well seems like. Team events. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so good win for Serbia, you know, without Djokovic, I've got to say I wasn't expecting them, maybe I was expecting them to get the tie, I guess, I don't know, but still, you know, it was quite still a pretty good win to graft out. The other group we had that day was Greece, Poland, Argentina, Georgia. Very quickly touching some of this because there's Del Bonis Metrovelli wasn't much of a match to be honest. No, I think um, every single match in that tie ended up six one six two. Yes, Schwartzman Vasilashvili yeah. as well. Subsequently, we found out Vasilashvili was injured. Yeah, that that was just a bit of a nothing match. Pervalorakis v Mashrak as well. I don't know what Pervalorakis is ranked, but he's never done well at the ATP Cup. Must be about. No. 
five. I don't know. I don't want to say yeah, five hundred, yeah, seven hundred. Keep going. Oh, I don't know. You're in the top hundred, is he? No, he's not. He's definitely not near the top hundred. And Mashrak, I think, is one hundred and seventeen. He plays like a top one hundred player, quite frankly. Mashrak's very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, not much to to talk about. And then Harkatch fee yeah. Thanos, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Avengers couldn't beat him, but Harkatch, wow. Um, yeah, bit of enough. Bit of a nothing tie to be, set of ties, to be honest. And um, there's better stuff to talk about than that. The only thing that's maybe worth noting is that Sissipas didn't end up playing the match because he was um, he opted to play the doubles. And he did win the doubles, but mm-hmm. uh, wanted to protect his elbow. Yeah, just relevant that he's still feeling like the injury is there. Yes, I um, think I read quite, quite quickly, I read a quote saying that he's doubtful for Australia. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. Half an hour ago. So we'll get into that later on. But yeah, yeah it yeah. certainly no. looks like touch and go for Australia for him. Yeah. Right, let's move on to day two. Loads of stuff on day two. That's I think not. this is more exciting than, than day one. I'm quite excited to talk about it, actually, compared to... to uh, Day one, which was okay, but yeah, this is—I think this is where the ATP Cup, ATP Cup really got started. I would mm-hmm. say, and um, we'll start with uh, the first group we had, which was Group B: Russia, Italy, France, and Australia. Yep. So the first tie I've got is Russia v France. Yeah, no, obviously you've got your stats in that Medvedev and Burst. I'll let you take the floor. Yeah, cool, cool. I've got, I've got plenty to say about it. For, for, first thing I'd say about the Russian team, obviously, I touched on that. They were minus catching off Rublev and Karatsev, so their first match seemed like it was really important. Medvedev, Medvedev, even Medvedev v Humbert. I knew, I bloody knew, but I did do a bunch of tweets, so I actually can vouch for this. You tweeted it out, I saw your tweet, yeah. But I knew this was going to be a good match, and I had a very good feeling about Humber, who is prone to injury, and I feel like, and I kind of had a feeling the off-season would have been really good for him, basically, because he's not a top 30 player. For me, he's like top 15, like, he... The the potential, yeah. Yeah, the potential, potential. definitely. I I always questioned, uh, I think last year I always cited that match against Kyrgios at Wimbledon, he was maybe mentally not the the strongest, but to be fair, it was a difficult crowd to deal with, because the Wimbledon crowd were very much behind Kyrgios. It was one of those rowdy atmospheres late in the evening, number one. I think it was a bonus match scheduled for a previous court, and he moved because of the rain as well, so the crowd were properly... Bumped up and Kyrgios played to the crowd. I don't think Umber's got the same sort of personality as Kyrgios in terms of, you know, getting the crowd involved. He's just a very good tennis player. No, no, I've not seen that. He seems very so, consummate professional. professional yeah, he just covered in the, the big moments in that match and Kyrgios beat him. But he's always, I've always thought the same as you. He's got big talent, massive yeah. firepower as well. Yeah. First stat I've got for you, Gav, here. Um, he beat his... Six of his last nine top ten opponents, including this match, uh, so it gives not you. A, I know it's not bad at all. But it gives you an idea of the the sort of peak of this guy. Definitely, like it, it just keeps going up and up and up. He can beat anybody in the world. Matches like sits pass at the Olympics, Rublev and Halle, Zverev and Halle, sits pass again in Paris. All those matches, obviously, I'm, you'll probably have, I've seen most of them, and most of them were epics. He just so the. You have your argument there. Obviously, he can be quite flaky sometimes, but then yeah. other matches like that, they went to third sets, most of them, and um, he was able to sort of hold his own sort of thing. Yeah, it was mainly, I think, at the slams that he's not really produced his Yeah, best. oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, I actually think his record is one in four um, from yeah. last year, something yeah. like that. Yeah, well, that's maybe the biggest stage as he gets a wee bit flaky, but yeah, in the two events, he's consistent. Yeah, yeah, so, but you'll, you'll, get, you'll get there. I, yeah. I, have, I, think, I definitely think you'll get there. So yeah, this match, obviously good to see where Medvedev stands at the start of the season. I would say from Medvedev's point of view, he didn't play quite to his best level, but at the same time, you know, Huber had to perform to beat him. Plenty to say about this, so 
first thing I would say Medvedev when he has won a tiebreak in a match he had only lost one match last year so I think he won 10 and he, he lost one mm-hmm. so after winning the tiebreak in the, the first set I was like this is you know it's going to be a given he's going to win this definitely up a break in the second set Humber yep. broke back I felt like Medvedev was too desperate to find Humber's backhand with good reason because I think Humber's forehand could be yeah it's an absolute missile yep. it is incredible and obviously being a lefty it's interesting because Medvedev can't sort of settle into his nice comfortable backhand cross-court rally he needs to find somewhere else in the court yeah, he sort of direct it up the line yeah. exactly so it's, it's a very different dynamic sort of the same dynamic Nadal gives you but it's a kind of different forehand it's not this sort of beastly loopy thing it's just like this, yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah um so really interesting and then the other thing Humbert was doing and I love this play pressurizing Medvedev second serve aggressive return mm. and volley I guess return and approach so every time Medvedev rolled in a second serve Humbert was in off the back of it and it's not something we see that often even even your Andy Murray's of the game you know they'll step in to take the return but they don't come in off they the back, back of them yeah just really exciting to see and obviously uh, he proved himself at the net as well. He, he was really good there, and eventually that sort of forced Medvedev to go for those, you know, bomb second serves that we, we've mm-hmm. kind of seen in his game over the years. Um, and it it made him double fault in some pressure moments, particularly the tie break, for example, um, the third set tie break that he ended up losing. So it was super interesting. Other stuff that happened as well. Medvedev started to hit to the backhand centrally instead of angling it to Humbers backhand mm-hmm. so rather than taking on the risk of trying to find the backhand you know just guiding it down the center of the court towards the backhand giving them very little to work with kind of the way that um Zverev played Djokovic last year at the world two finals so that's a little bit niche but yeah you no, know, it's a good start yeah yeah, yeah it, is, it is a good start though yeah yeah um, <clears throat> really interesting so Medvedev had sort of these tactical responses to the way Humber was playing but I think Humber deserved to win because it was the second sort of second serve approaches that stopped Medvedev winning at five four thirty all for example. You know he, it was Humber coming forward that saved points there. Mm. Humber coming forward in the tie break. Humber definitely deserved to win, even if Medvedev wasn't quite playing his best tennis. And yeah, Medvedev losing turned out not to be um, too bad though in the end because Roman Safulin saved yep. the day for Russia. Won against Rinderknecht. That was quite a good match. And it was kind of just Sifil and mentally taking it into his own hands. Um, Rinderknecht just wasn't able to sort of pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. But credit to Sifil and he hung in there and he showed the same sort of resolve in the doubles as well, which I was probably more impressed with. I really didn't expect them to win that, Gav. I know, yeah. And Medvedev's reaction at the end, like he was properly into it, you know. You don't really see yeah. that outpouring of emotion that often, like in that way, but he was properly, I think he said it yeah, was he emotional it. when he had in his career, which was, Mm-hmm. And maybe you know he doesn't win many doubles matches. I think he he plays doubles like Djokovic. You used to play doubles. Yeah, and it's how I would describe it definitely because yeah. he was still playing it like a singles game. He was like seven meters behind the baseline or whatever it was, and somehow yeah. it was kind of working. He did pull off some wonder shots. Um, I would say Fabrice Martin, though he is an accomplished doubles player. It would, you know, he's not as strong as Nicholas Mahou, Pierre Hughes, Herbert for sure. That backhand in particular, one hand backhand returns in doubles, tough to use, definitely, yeah, especially when you're playing something like Medvedev. Stuff. Yeah, it's more yeah, hundred percent. I think maybe Simone Bolelli has got a good exception to that rule, but apart from that, yeah, it's very difficult unless you're, you're very talented um, and put very few returns into play. To be honest, and I think that was one of the biggest reasons they they ended up winning that match. Definitely. Yeah. Sure. And obviously, Sifulin was some of the 
Suarez, Bruno Suarez-esque returns at times. Like. I know. He was on fire, to be fair. That, that mm-hmm. was a really good match to watch. Because um, like, it was good to see uh, the tie go into deciding doubles. Cause I think often when it's like 2-0 decider, it's sort of like the doubles feels a wee bit flat. But, like, a bit of a dance club, yeah. Yeah, but the crowd are probably into it. And um, that's that's doubles at its best. You know, the tour should be making that front and centre, you know, making a big deal about uh, these matches. I think I think they did about the Britain-Germany uh, one, to be fair, because there was some incredible shots in that match. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be that's how double should be, you know, raucous crowds, full arenas, and, um, yeah, should have more of a centre stage. Sure. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I, it's, it's one of the, the few times on tour where doubles actually gets a little bit of a limelight, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, next tie we had that day was Australia v Italy. Yep. This was a good one as well. Definitely. Yeah, it was, yeah. Started with Yannick Sinner v Max Purcell. I don't know how much of this you saw, but it was like Sinner hadn't been yeah, off Sinner. the tour. Sinner, wasn't he like 6 1, 4 1 up very quickly? And yeah, something yeah, like was, that. Yeah, just over an hour. To be fair, Purcell, I think, played well. Was at Eastbourne last year? He made the his first tour quarterfinal or semi final. Wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised the way he yeah. was volleying against Sinner. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Sinner's just, he looked so sharp from the get go, didn't he? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. First um, match of the season, as if he'd never been away. Like, he had yeah. that break. He just looked properly refreshed. And a um, C- couple of stats, three unforced errors the whole match. Yeah. I mean, that's. Says it all. Not shabby. <laughs> yeah. He also, um, Purcell obviously excels at moving forward and um, sort of taking the, the point into his own hands and did manage to find some more of those as the match progressed. But there was a point at you know at six one four one where Sinner had won twenty points over five shots to Purcell's two. Yeah. So as soon as soon as Purcell hit two shots, it was like point over. So, that yeah. Sinner's got this. Yeah. It shows you how uh, good Sinner is. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Joke. It is a joke. Like three unforced errors, and he was going for. Big balls as well, like he was, he was going for crazy shots. Well. Yeah, not yeah. just cross court. Yeah, be scary yeah. to play him, honestly. Mm. Um, yeah, good match though, definitely. Uh, and obviously, Luke played Italy, were on a roll. But then I think possibly one of the performances of the tournament from Demonor, Iberatini. Yeah. It's his returns, return of serves. I mean, he was so close Yeah, well, I'm glad, you, I'm so glad close, you're saying that. Cause so I, close I, to the baseline. It was like six of past today, so close to the baseline, except he was executing tons of returns. Mm-hmm. he's hitting like 130 mile an hour bombs and Demon are just getting it back. Yeah, he's still and standing in the baseline. It was mad. Position just mental to control the ball as consistently as he did. It was like I can I can believe what I was watching. Especially I think it was like Berkey's down the tee to the Demon of forehand. He's just literally getting it back so deep in the court. I mean, you don't you don't see many players do that. I I absolutely loved watching it. Yeah. Um, even like. Andy Murray, okay, he steps into the court, but it's, it's not like a block return a lot mm. of the time. He literally, Demonor's just like redirecting it yeah. straight to their feet. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Like, must take yeah. insane timing. And they were saying it's like half a second reaction. And you saw so many where Demonor was like literally like getting out of the way of the ball because yeah. like he was about to get hit by it, but he just wouldn't back down. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, probably one of the best displays of returning I've seen out with like the top three, you know, just yeah. mental. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mental. Super, super needed win for Dimonor because last year he won two titles. Brilliant. But outside of that, he won less than 40% of the matches. I think he was matches. affected by COVID, to be fair. I think that oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think he had some long COVID effects or issues that he didn't quite feel his best fitness-wise in the court. And obviously that's such a big part of his game is how, you know, his movement. So if he's feeling sluggish or not able to move effectively, then that's going to take a lot away from his game. Yeah. You know, but... Um, Good to see that he's obviously got over that now, and that should give him a bit of confidence. But I think, like uh, many 
home players when they've got the home crowd behind them, they sort of they react better in these team competitions. They always yeah. play their best tennis. So I think he's got Leighton Hewitt as a captain as well. So that's yeah, of course. Pump him up with the energy and uh, crowd were rocking. Def- and, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say um, not only that the the actual court itself, he has got an amazing record on. Yeah. He, um, so he's won. A, he's won a title here. He's had a final there. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've even got the set count. It's twenty five sets to nine. So he's only lost nine sets on the court before. He, he, after the match, um, we saw him mouthing, "This is my fucking court." To the yeah, yeah. <laughs> to his camp, <laughs> it gives you an idea. He's he's aware of how confident he is, or how confident he should be in that court. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know if it makes sense so much. I think you're right. There's a little bit of crowd element in there for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, I think he's that sort of player that likes to feed off that definitely. Um, but also, if he gets those block returns right, so on a fast court, yeah, he's that's why he's good on grass as well. Because yeah. if he if he gets those returns right, like it's so difficult for the other player to react. It's almost it's like just, he, it's not he like turns the first serve around all the time. He's getting them back. Like it must be over seventy percent of the time, he's getting balls back into deep position in the courts. Yeah, one other thing I'd say about Deminor, his forehand is definitely looking better for me than it, up, it was last year. I think he's changed. Yeah. It. it looks far more natural and comfortable now um, yeah. than it did before. So hopefully that can sort of you know leap. Give him a bit of momentum, and uh, you can do better on other surfaces. Maybe even the clay yeah. that you help him on. You know, mm, yeah, that chip took that, that blocked return def- doesn't do anything. You know, like, all the pace is gone. You know, yeah. you have to take a bit of a cut of the ball. It's not something he's used to doing as much. But I, yeah, definitely if you can get that element of his game going, more confident about doing that. So, so yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Next one, we had the doubles decider again, sort of thrust into the limelight a bit with Pierce Savile. Pierce, uh, John Pierce, sorry, uh, with Luke Savile and Berrettini with Simone Bellelli. Yeah. I, f- I thought this went as Bognini it should actually. Because, like, yeah, same. and Bognini have won the Australian Open title in 2015. Bognini's one of these players that when he's on, he's, like, really on. I think mm. Berrettini might have felt, I know he might have wanted to go out and redeem himself, or maybe he was thinking, oh, I need to redeem myself now, but I think maybe it would have been a bit better to allow Bognini to play than, you know, the natural established partnership. Um, yeah, doubles same. can be quite important. I think that's probably uh, where Ger- Germany might have fallen down as well by playing Zverev over. Everybody Zverev. did it. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. three of them did it. Medvedev and uh, Russia is the only one that paid off, but really it, it shouldn't have. I don't know. I don't think it should have paid off, to be honest. Like yeah, that. it was one of those occasions, maybe, I don't know, two out of ten, maybe it works like that. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose Medvedev, for Russia, they didn't really have a better doubles player uh, on that occasion. Like if yeah. Kratsev or Rublev had been there, I'd have played them for sure. Well, 100%. Um, but yeah, on that occasion, yeah. So Berrettini definitely could have been Fanini and Zverev 100% should have been Tim Especially when you think Berrettini's just had that groin problem as well. You'd think he'd not want to jeopardise his chances for like the yeah. rest of the start of the season. Because you know, he had injury problems at the start of last season as well. Which yeah, but just, a, just a bit of doubles, I guess. And to be honest, they had that set point in the second set against the Aussies. They actually did, they did. do pretty no, well. They did. they did, but I was still going for the established partnership, being honest, but... Definitely, yeah. I thought the Aussies should have been winning it, though. Definitely, the John Pierce is probably under, maybe not underrated because he he played really well at the end of last season. Luke Savile's um, a good doubles player as well. Ah, uh, Luke Savile's brilliant as well. Yeah, yeah. I think John Pierce, obviously being the more experienced of the two, seems to be the sort of steadier of the two. Mm-hmm. Massive overheads constantly. I think that's how he saved a set point. Actually, yep. one of the best uh, overheads in the game, which would probably make us both exceptionally jealous. I'm sure. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, class, a uh, really class performance, um, and they definitely deserve to win it. And it's quite interesting, obviously, with Italy having lost that tie, what's going to happen between uh, the four countries. But let's move on to Group C. And the first tie we had was Canada v America. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the first a good win for John Isner first up. To be fair. Yes. Yeah, because he yeah, made yeah. it that badly because he was, I think the last time I saw him play, he was battered by Sinner in the Davis Cup. And I was thinking, I think yeah. that was like the first time since 2010 he was bageled. It was, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and we were saying that was the match after he played the longest match in history. Yeah, um, well, understandable. Yeah, yeah. Still, this match, I kind of thought it was, Braden Snow's quite a good player, but obviously Isner can be conducive to some pretty... Um, Bland matches sometimes, so it kind of yeah. just yeah, went, went as you'd expect, I guess, is what I'd say. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, yeah, Schneider was there because Shapovalov had withdrawn, I believe it was because he was still physically recovering from COVID. Yep. He did play the doubles, but he said he wasn't quite ready to play the singles, apparently. Mm. So, yeah, quite interesting. The other match, probably a more interesting result, was uh, Felix Ogarelli Asim v Taylor Fritz. Yeah. What an interesting match in general. What an exciting season this could be for Taylor Fritz, I could think. Be, despite the fact he did make a meal of the first set tie break. But, yeah, but yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, no, no harm, no foul. He won the match in the end. So yeah, kind of cut him some slack, definitely. Whenever I walked, well, I did say last season, I think that uh, when he was in a bad run of form, I thought Fritz is just one of those guys that's not performed his potential. I, I still believed he had more in him. And then Indian Wells happened and he played really well there. I think um, you know he's he's showing a bit better form, uh, so hopefully mm-hmm. he can just continue that on a weekly basis. You know, I don't want this to be maybe two tournaments and he slumps a wee bit, comes back, slumps. You know, you want to see him consistently do this because he's got such a big game. Yeah, you know I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, one of the biggest series on tour. Uh, yeah. That forehand as well. To, yeah, from a combination. Yeah, for, for his own words, you know, um, he was saying this, the, his forehand's getting bigger and bigger, and he feels like it's got bigger, even uh, since since last season. That's what. What's his name? Fitzy. Uh, I'll just call him Fitzy. What's his name again? Al's now. John Fitzgerald. Isn't John it? Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's what John it's Fitzgerald Al, I know, yeah. <laughs> in, in the contacts book, is he? I'll stick to John Fitzgerald. Thanks, Gav. Uh, <laughs> that's what John Fitzgerald had said to uh, Taylor Fritz. You've come forward a lot. Um, he said, yeah, it's because he feels like his forehand's getting bigger so he can make easier approaches basically it's not so much the net games improves it's more about the size mm-hmm. of his uh, his ground strokes getting bigger and bigger and obviously I was saying that at the end of last season the movement as well yeah. has, um, has uh, definitely increased tenfold he seems to be able to find his way around the court a lot better than he used to after surgery so big big potential for him definitely and Felix just um, yeah he was a little yeah, bit patchy I think, Felix, I think he needs that first title to sort of give him that extra boost of confidence a wee bit I think when he gets that I think he could like open the floodgates and could yeah. see him in more finals winning more titles because he's you know I'm still staggered he's not won one yet because he's that good mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah yeah and uh, yeah then the dubs was just the dubs see what he, Felix lost that as well and Chapel played I don't know if I, I didn't see much of it to be honest no. uh, and obviously it wasn't a deciding uh, doubles so yeah, yeah not much fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one wasn't flat at all. We'll go to that. UK v Germany. Yep. That was pretty good fun. I think the first match we don't need to talk about too much. To be honest, Jan Lennestruff looked nowhere near his best. Yeah, he had a shocker. Me. I think that was a polite yeah. way of saying it. He had a shocker. Yeah, it just wasn't good for him. The other match was a lot more fun. Cam mm. Norrie v uh, Alexander Zverev. Yep. I thought Cam made a pretty good account for himself here. He started the match yep. really well. 
uh, targeting the forehand, which is what you need to do. Um, hopefully it breaks down and it's not feeling good on the day because it is vulnerable to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Zverev found it really difficult to hit through him, obviously. That's you know Cam's game. It, it was actually interesting to hear, I don't know how much of it you saw, but at the change of ends, oh, Liam yeah. Brody saying, um, make him hit through you. Obviously you have to yeah. take massive, yeah. massive risks. I, I just think the problem with Nori, and you know, he's played really well, but I think the problem is that sometimes when that first serve doesn't go in, it does leave him vulnerable in the second serve. Um, mm-hmm. He has improved the first serve a lot, you know, obviously the placement of it and stuff, but I still think when he misses that first serve, it's like... Still a weakness. Can, yeah, players can still tee off a wee bit in the second serve, but... Yeah, definitely. I, I agree, I think you, you made a great account of himself, especially in that first set, you know. Second set, I think Sverev improved his game quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when he gets in a role like that in the backhand, and particularly when he's hitting the backhand as well as he is, you know, it's difficult to stop him, especially yeah. if you're not playing offensive tennis or able to get kind of a bigger weight of shot on the ball. But no, good good start for Cam. I think that first set showed a lot of what he can do and how difficult he is to beat. Um, mm-hmm. Second set, I thought Sverev just played better too. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Not much quite, quite, quite an interesting piece of uh, tactical information here. So Cam... A lot of the time uses that cross-court backhand. He's a lefty, in case uh, listeners don't know. Uses the cross-court backhand to the forehand to sort of put the opponent in a position where they're not going to be able to hit a winner. So it's low enough that they can't get the forehand up and down over the the high part of the net sort of thing. He did that very well against Basil Ashville, for example, in Indian Wales. Um, And he was using that for a while, but Zverev actually, I think, is one of the few players who was able to counter that with a spinny enough, big enough forehand that mm. he can pull off consistently that it wasn't working. So we actually saw Cam running around the forehand. I don't know if you've even seen Cam Nori do that, Gav. But uh, he oh. was, he, yeah, exactly. He was going for big sort of Rafa inside-out forehands. Not it's quite not, as big, obviously, but um, yeah, it, he was actually he was actually playing aggressively, and it was it was working for some points. Um, but it's not really something he normally does. I think it's something he'll have to practice a bit more if he's going to do that more often. I just don't think he's got the weight of ball, you know, to do yeah. that consistently yet. That's the thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's a good tactic. Good to see him adapting during a match as well. Because so many players, like when they're not mm-hmm. when they're down, they're not able to think for themselves. You know, they need a coach. Whereas, um, yeah, I think he did that a lot of that himself. Actually, you know, he worked it out. Yeah, definitely. Back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was Liam Brody that it was saying sort of camp make him hit through you, and it was yeah. Cam that sort of came to his own conclusion and said, actually, I'm going to be a bit more yeah, aggressive go for here. The spell, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, he had a set point and stuff. It was a kind of classic serve and backhand combo from Zverev about as predictable a point as you'd expect. So there wasn't really much Cam could do, um, and then the the second set just got away from him. But one thing I'd say about is very serve. I don't know how much I've touched on this on the podcast. Talked about it a bit on the blog. The second serve itself, I feel like, hasn't improved loads. Obviously, he is missing less of them, but I feel like it's the first serve that because he's putting so many of them in, he's just mm. hitting less second serves. It's kind yeah, of covering up that weakness. You saw ATP finals, didn't you? Just how many first yeah. serves he was able to hit in, and how what what a nightmare it can be, even to the best return in the world. Mm-hmm. He's hitting that first serve in, and he's locating it. It's just a nightmare for anybody. Yeah, yeah. So. I still it, think he's winning his first slam this year. So, yeah, if he plays like that, like I don't think he missed. A, I think he missed two first serves, the first four or five serves games or something like that against Cam. So, yeah, it gives you an idea of of how dangerous he can be when he's he's feeling up to. It. But Gav, five sets, can he do that for the whole thing? That's the big question, isn't it? But I'm still not sure. Yeah, he just. Want, I think I just see it happening. But I saw it happening last year and it didn't. So. If we saw Medvedev and Zverev in a final together, I would back Medvedev, I think. Be a good match. but be a brilliant match, yeah. yeah. That's what I want to see. 
hopefully yeah. that happens. But it'd be good fun. Well, we'll see. Djokovic obviously probably will be there. We'll see speculation again. Yeah. Um yeah, anyway, yeah. So after Zverev won that match, it was one all, back to another sing doubles. The yep. odd choice of Zverev with Kevin Kravitz, I think it should have been Tim Poitz. I'm sure you probably yeah, think the Poitz same, Gav. I thought, and I yeah, thought yeah. Salisbury would play, but I think, was, was that officially confirmed that he wasn't feeling his best Salisbury? Or was that just a tactical move? I must must have been. I don't know why. It would would you? I mean, that's the yeah. normal circumstances. But. Um, but instead, yeah, it was Dan Evans and Jamie Murray. Mm-hmm. I saw a bit of it. I certainly saw the brilliant shot, the Dan Evans behind the, the back, back shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, that was brilliant fun. That's the best Jamie Murray's played, I think, for a while. I mean, I thought he was excellent in that match. Fantastic Mm -hmm. at the net, which is his main strength. But his serve was working pretty well as well. Not often we can say that, I'm afraid. Certainly better than it was in Turin, where it was a wee -hmm. bit bit ropey, I think, to be polite. But uh, Mm -hmm. no, far better on the serve, and his volleys were fantastic as well. He needs to get that slice serve a bit better, man. You know, like Cam Norrie style. He does. he should be doing that every every serve, man. Honestly, I, not, I, don't, I don't want to be criticizing anybody's serve when they've seen mine, but uh, yeah, he does need. Yeah, to I know. Yeah, that slice yeah. <laughs> but at least we right. know we need to improve our serves, Gav, as well. You know, it's not like we're on our high horse, like you know. Yeah. T- take some notes off our serves. You know, we need to improve our serves too, Jamie. Don't worry. So. <laughs> Body loads done back here because that's just one day that we're moving on to day three now. Hopefully, yeah, we'll get through it nice day. and quickly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. yeah. um, we can start with Norway v Spain again in Group A. I did talk about Jurasovic v yep. PCB a little bit already, so I don't yep. have to talk about it too much. All I would say is Jurasovic looks like he has got some weapons in his game as well. Nice pop mm-hmm. in his serve, decent forehand. Um, but if you're going to play PCB, you can't afford to have a ropey backhand. Yeah, you need your backhand working. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was that was the problem, unfortunately. And three and three definitely reflective of how the match played out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, not much to say there. The other match, Rude v RBA, class, absolutely class match. Loved yep. it. I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was one of the matches of the tournament. I actually thought Casper played really well, but RBA RBA's played. Yeah, played phenomenally well. So good. Yeah. First thing I'd say, in case anybody doesn't know, Rude's forehand, obviously, at this point, I'm sure people will be aware of the, the size of the shot, but it is officially the third most top spinniest forehand in the world last season. It, it only behind... Do you know who it's only behind? Oh, not, not a clue. Nadal. Nadal must be number one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, number two is a good question. We could be here a while. Um, no, no, just, just throw it. Just... No, it's not. Is it Nori forehand? No, that's a good guess because he probably four for something. Um, yeah. But no, nah, it's not. It's not Nori. Berrettini. Berrettini. Oh, that's surprising. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit surprising. But anyway, yeah. You, like, so we're aware of the the caliber of the shot on on a um, clay court, but on a uh, hard court, it's it's starting to uh, have the same amount of impacts, definitely. And the tactics were about as obvious as you could imagine they would be. Gav for the the first set, RBA and sixteen percent of his shots to uh, Rude's forehand. It was literally like locked into the backhand corner for, for a long period to the match but with the odd flash of brilliance like it, it wasn't a boring match that's the thing even if some of it was quite predictable it's just no I mean he's always good to watch RBA isn't he I mean just master of movement around the court good at moving his opponent around as well just I remember watching him play Djokovic when he beat Djokovic in uh, Miami and Djokovic was having a nightmare I just clearly mm-hmm. constantly hated playing against him but it was just quite funny to watch yeah, it's, it's not fun to play, definitely, especially for Djokovic. Um, odd that Andy uh, Murray has such a good record against him, to be honest. I would have expected yeah. them to lose a few more matches against him. Um, but yeah, anyway, so he didn't even generate a break point. Mm-hmm. 
the reason for that again falling to the return this is where it was more exposed RB was amazing at doing the wide serve to the forehand play down the, the line and just doing that over and over again yeah, it's executing patterns of play isn't it and that's what, he was so, that's what he's so good at exactly yeah yeah and that, that's one of his favourite ones basically and you know if you can get it wide enough to Rude's forehand it's not going to get ripped back at you so really interesting match to watch and some of the rallies just go watch them back I've got a 2 all in the tie break rally I think on my Twitter go check that out it's very very oh it's brilliant so good um, but yeah match of the, the tournament for me um, so far did you see the doubles of interest Gav I can't see it sorry um, no I didn't see the doubles no it was Davidovich Fakina and Pedro Martinez at that point Spain had won the tie anyway so um, yeah. again a non-deciding tie the other tie we had was Serbia v Chile did you see any of Krajinovic v Tabio Seven for the match, wasn't he? Seven for the match. He just couldn't get it. Oh, was he? Goals. Okay. Yeah. So okay. Why? Well, up and check my scores, but yeah. This, so this is exactly what you were saying. I imagine maybe he didn't make many first serves when he was serving for the match, yeah. probably. Okay. Yeah. Right. A, a bit of a thread uh, continuing here then, possibly. <laughs> okay. Interesting, though. Um, so Kranovic managed to scrape through that. And then we had Garen Vilajevic. Garen getting a surprising win. Is that unfair well, to say? I up, to be fair. He did. Yeah, good point. He was playing well throughout the match, to be fair. I think a, a first set, a 6 4 set that lasted like one hour and nine minutes, I think they were saying, lasted absolutely ages. He was a break up um, in the second as well, if I can remember rightly. I think he right. was, but just couldn't close it out. I think he was beginning to cramp a wee bit right, and then yeah, quite yeah. quickly fell off, a, you know, fell off the tracks. Um, so, yeah, anyway, Serbia v Chile. Gav, I don't have the result for the doubles. That might have just finished, actually. We were starting yeah. 40, so. Um, right, I've got it here. So neither of us have seen it because it was going on while we were actually recording. But the Chileans actually won the match ten seven in a match tiebreak. So big result. Yeah, so Chile take the tie. I think probably the first tie of their Davis Cup ATP Cup career. team yeah. career. Probably is that unfair to say? <laughs> Maybe not Davis Cup. Uh, I'm sure they've played a few ties on clay, but definitely in a ATP Cup anyway, because um, that was Garen's first win at the ATP Cup ever. So, good win for Chile. I'll move on to the next time we had Poland v Georgia. I don't know how much of this you saw, but it was a bit of a weird... Bit of a backing, wasn't it? Apart from the second... Like, the hookups, <laughs> that, well, actually, it wasn't a backing. What on about? I'm that match about, wasn't. I was, the, I was thinking about the Argentina one again. Uh, no, Mafrak Alexander Bakshi, if that's how you pronounce that was, it. That was the backing, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I... I Went how you'd expect the world number one one seven v what have I got world number nine seven two to go, yep. um nine hundred and seventy two though Jesus that is not you know that is that shouldn't be an ATP match that's mad that's like somebody from our club buddy playing like Camel Mashak genuinely I would say I'm mad yeah it's mad <laughs> um, yeah didn't watch much of that I saw a wee bit it just looks yeah. It looked like what you'd expect an amateur tennis player to look like if sort of playing a professional tennis player. A lot of dodgy misses and stuff like that. He made a fairly good account for himself, I guess, but still. Harkatch uh, Metrovelli, much more worth talking about. Um, Metrovelli, this is, I actually, Metrovelli played better than 570 in the world. I would say that first. Like, he mm. played way, way, way above his ranking and. I don't know, I guess maybe when you've got players who've got big enough weapons, they can just have days where they sort of plug it all together, but most days, you know, they can't put it all together consistently sort of thing. But he looks like he's got massive, massive weapons on both, when every shot, basically. Um, he, he was playing really well, but Harkatch, this is more about Harkatch. He 
is not as good on return as he should be for the number nine in the world. Definitely, he's like yeah, bottom. It's a weakness that he needs to work on for sure. Definitely. So within the top fifty, he's within the bottom five players on return. I mean, like when you put that into context, you've got Apelka and Isner right down at the bottom. I think you know Fedra might have been there just by you know of having a short season. Harkats really is very very low down considering. Got to say, um, yeah, he's got to do better. I, I, the, I think the biggest problem is he's not very proactive on return. Yeah, if you know what I mean, Gav. Do you know he gets a little bit sort of rhythmic and kind of doesn't much intent. Yeah, he kind of just goes for the same pace of shot a lot of the time. That makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, so that first set really shouldn't have went Metrovelli's way, and it did. Testament to Harkatch, I guess that he won the match. But to be honest, we forget fit- fitness is such a big factor. Metrovelli kind of ran out of steam by the end yeah. of the match. Well, obviously, that happens if you're not used to playing at that level, it's bound to happen, isn't it? Anyway, though, he won again. You know, no arm with him. Um, so they took that tie. We'll move on to the last tie then. Greece v Argentina. Pervalarakis v Dubonist. Probably not much of a, a match given his ranking. We'll just move on from that since uh, hands up now. I saw it. Just, yeah. did, I did manage to see quite a bit of Schwartzman v Sitsipas, yeah. even though it was only a few hours ago. Decent match, considering it's Sitsipas's first match in two months. Did expose Sitsipas's return, so I think he had three main return positions. So at the start, he was standing far too far forward. Then he moved a bit further back. Then he moved mm-hmm. into the middle, so it was just kind of fluctuating a wee bit, um, much like the first serve actually, the first serve from Sitsipas in the first set was very, very high, the first serve percentage, and it kind of got lower, and it yeah. got lower in the third set again, and um, I was surprised by Sitsipas, not his attitude in the third set, but he almost checked out at points, it looked like he was checking out, you know, for some of the shots he was going for, not looking too bothered, it could be the pain in the elbow maybe. But Yeah, uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was interesting, just it shows you how he needs to work in that return. For sure, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, the forehand was a little bit loose, and his forehand is never loose, really. Um, fifty-seven unforced errors overall to Schwartzman's Schwartz twenty-five gives you an idea of how, um, maybe just un or rusty is, I guess, uh, in general, just having not played for a while. Still, the returns, as you see, he's got full control over his return position. I quite like that observation, Gav, because I saw that a lot last year. Yep. Almost looking like he's trying to figure it out, like trying to figure out what he needs to do to get yeah. the return back. And he usually play. stands far too far forward. And then I think it was like against Apelka in Canada last year. Standing That's far exactly far the match. Yeah, exactly the match I was thinking of. Like, what are you doing? He's 740 mile an hour bombs. You should be at the back fence trying to mm-hmm. do the Medvedev style return. Yeah, something. exactly. Trying to react to something that's like five meters out to the right. It's like, I don't think even Demon will be standing forward to a pilka like, yeah exactly yeah yeah. Um, yeah super observation because i agree with that definitely kind of looks like he doesn't know what he's doing sometimes like he's trying to figure stuff out just by throwing stuff into the fire if that makes sense yeah. rather than actually having a game plan but yeah um, he's, he's definitely definitely still got work to go there i would like to see him in full health for the uh, the australian open obviously don't see that, it happening i don't see him playing it being honest he might play it but yeah i could see him maybe uh bowing out in the fourth round or something if he's playing like that for sure um, somebody like Schwartzman definitely could beat him again. Right, Gav, call it there. Call it. Cool. Thanks very much for listening, guys. If you want to catch any of our work, the usual, you can catch me at jackedward.substack.com. Catch Gav on Last Word on Tennis. Yep. Doing some prediction articles. Yeah, I've got so I've got a Novak Djokovic season review piece, which is about. Oh, that too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite a long one. So if you fancy any late night, I don't know, in depth reading, then uh, give it a read. 
Cool. Three thousand words. I went a wee bit excessive into analysis. So wow. <laughs> it's like my final university thesis, kind of combined in tennis form, pretty much. So wow, no, I like yeah, that. No, I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give that a read myself. I like the sound of that. Okay, yeah, go go read that from Gav. Yeah, please tune in next time. We're back to our usual schedule. Apologies, obviously we were off for a while, but I mean, what were we going to talk about yeah. for two weeks over Christmas? No, I'm sure nobody cares exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll be back to normal schedule. Please uh, tune in next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you very much.